you don't have to turn there, but in Romans chapter 9, God said something very important, 9 and 13. God said, Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. You may ask, well, why did God say he loved Jacob and he hated Esau? Well, it's very simple. Jacob had respect for the covenant, and Esau did not. Esau despised his birthright. He sold it for a bowl of beans. The covenant that his grandfather had made with God, the sacrifices that we read this about last week, I think, the sacrifices that Abraham cut in half and God himself came down. And walked in the midst of those sacrifices. That blood sacrifice. And Esau could care less about it. And God said at that time, he said, I can't use him. Because I can't trust him. He does not value what I value. And uh, even though I positioned him with the birthright, he has chosen to walk in the flesh and not in the spirit. God was severe with him because God is serious about this covenant. You know, if you really want to upset God, don't let him... Or don't allow him to bless you. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. I, I remember Israel in the wilderness. God said they provoked me. Because they won't let me bless them. They won't let me manifest my covenant in their life. He said uh, to Moses, he said, I'll disinherit them. I feel like disinherit them because this covenant is so important to me. Because by this covenant is the way that I'm going to bless not only Israel, but I'm going to bless the world. So this blood covenant that we've been studying is very, very important. And we want to, we want to glean everything that we can from these studies in terms of our access to this covenant. This is a living covenant that is given to us through the blood of Jesus Christ, and we have access to it. And what God has been speaking to us these, these weeks is that his desire for his New Testament church is to walk in the reality of this covenant in our generation. And he wants us to renew our minds to everything that he says concerning this covenant. The blessings of it, the power of it, the strength of it, the joy of it. 
So that's what we've been studying. And I want to go to it. And I don't have this in my notes, but it's in Exodus chapter 11. And I'm going to go there. Exodus chapter 11. And uh, verse 4, I believe, is where I'm going to start. Exodus 11, verse 4. Those of you who may be following along with your Bibles. It says here in verse 4 of Exodus 11, And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn of the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn beasts. So everybody in Egypt was about to experience the wrath of God. Verse 6 says, And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall it be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel, this is what I want you to see, shall not a dog move his tongue. <laughs> against a beast, against a man or beast, that you may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. So what God was saying is that he puts a difference between those who are in covenant relationship with him and those who are not. That is the covenant that we share with God through Jesus Christ, that we have with God through Jesus Christ. And that's what we've been studying, that, and that, that you should not be ashamed of this. You should embrace everything that God says about you in Christ Jesus. This advantage that we have through him, this blessing that we have through him, this access to God that we have through Jesus Christ, we need to learn about it, we need to embrace it, we need to accept it, we need to walk in it, because it's the will of God. Amen? So when we read these promises, don't say that it's not for you. Don't say that this is too much for you. Don't say that you can't experience this because this is the perfect will of God for his church. Amen. So I want to begin now. I want to go back to Deuteronomy chapter 7. I think we touched on that last week and I want to start there again this week. A lot of this is repetition. And again, it's on purpose because we need to renew our mind. We need to think like blessed people. We need to call ourselves blessed because God calls us blessed. We need to see ourselves as God sees us. Then and only then can we experience this covenant blessing, this covenant power. So the renewal of the mind, I've got to change the way I think if I'm going to experience God's best. And again, he wants me to, and he wants you to experience his best. Deuteronomy 7 and 13 is where I want to begin. And he will love you, or love you, and bless you, and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit, the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of thy land, thy corn, thy wine, thy wine, 
thine oil. That's talking about the anointing. We talked about that last week. That's talking about the power of God. Now, he's talking to Old Testament Israel, but he's talking to the New Testament church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking to us tonight in terms of God, God's willingness to give us the power of the Holy Spirit in fullness. The increase of your kind, the flocks of your sheep, in the land which he swear unto your fathers to give them. There's that word swear again. God's co- talking covenant talk whenever he says he swear to do something. He swear by himself, the Bible says. Verse 14. Thou shalt be blessed above all people. Somebody need to underline that. Blessed above all people. That's our portion. Because God favors us. Because we're in Christ. There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. Verse 15, we touched on this really strong last week. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness. That means every sickness known to man has been put under the blood of Jesus Christ. All sickness. And will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, those diseases that had access to us before we got born again, they don't have access to us anymore when we're walking in covenant faith. Now again, this, this, this causes for a radical change in the thinking of the, the child of God. We have to be, begin to understand that the yoke of bondage that had access to us before we got born again, that yoke has been destroyed. Not broken. It's been literally destroyed by the cross of, of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Okay? So when sickness or the curse in any form approaches us, we must resist it with the power of the knowledge of this covenant. We must say, that is not my portion. We must verbally say that. Not thinking, I just think it. We got to speak to it. We got to speak to the mountain and command the mountain to be cast into the sea. We got to be active in this or else the power of the covenant won't work. It's voice activated. So the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will put none of the evil. God calls sickness evil. Amen. Evil diseases of Egypt, which thou knowest, upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate you. And thou shalt, verse 16, thou shalt consume all the people which the Lord your God shall deliver thee. Thine eyes shall have no pity upon them, neither shall thou serve their gods, for that will be a snare unto you. So God laying it out, letting us know that because of this blood covenant that we have in Jesus Christ, no weapon form can prosper against us. But we have to believe it. That's the whole key to all this. If I'm going to experience, if I'm going to walk in this supernatural power, in this supernatural covenant, I'm going to have to accept what God says about me in covenant relationship with him. And I have to embrace every word of the covenant. 
Somebody say amen to that. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. All the commandments which I command you this day, you shall observe. Part of that commandment is to believe. Amen. Part of that commandment is to, is to observe what God says, then believe it and act on it. That you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. So everything that God has spoken to you in your generation, and when you walk closely with God, when you become born again, God will begin to speak to you concerning your destiny, concerning the things that he wants you to accomplish in your generation. And you'll be able to do it if you'll believe in the power of the covenant, if you'll believe what God speaks to you when he's speaking covenant words to you in your prayer time. God will open up your mind and begin to speak to you the impossibilities of the natural and let you know that it's possible as long as you're walking in the dictates and the commandments of the covenant in terms of faith, in terms of belief, in terms of obedience. So he, the Bible says, He swear unto your fathers to do this. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord your God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you or to prove you, to know what was in your heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. So that's why we go through the tests and the trials. That's why we go through the difficulties. Because God is preparing us for greatness. He's preparing us to experience the covenant blessing. But he lets us go through the tests and the trials so that we will be prepared to hold on to what he gives us. A lot of times, if he would just bless us immediately with these things, we wouldn't be able to hold on to them. But because we're, we have an understanding of the, the, the test and the trials, God teaches us how to war and how to fight and how to live by faith and not by sight. So verse 3 says, And he humbled you and suffered you to hunger. You went through the tough time. You went through the difficult time. Jesus did tell us, in this world, you're going to have some trouble. But be of a good cheer, I've overcome the world for you. He wants us to always keep that in mind when we're going through the fire, when we're going through the difficulties, when we're going through the water. He wants us to always remember that it's not going to be that way all all the time. He humbled you and suffered you to hunger and fed you with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did your fathers know, that he might make you to know. That man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord does man live. And that's what God does. He allows us to go through these things. He teaches us so that we can come to the conclusion and an understanding that we live by the covenant. This is what we refer to in every area of our lives. We we refer to what God says in his covenant and we hold that to be our truth. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, 
this covenant and this truth, the truth will make you free in every area of your life. Whether it be finances, whether it be uh, in your physical body, whether it be in your marriage, whatever it is, this is the truth and it will make you free. But we got to learn to live by it and embrace it. Not like Esau, but we have to value this. Amen. Let's look at verse 6. Because he's going to talk about obedience now. Like I said last week, you cannot expect to walk in the blessings of God if you're going to live a, a raggedy Christian life, a compromising Christian life. We got to grow up and put down the things, the childish things. If we're going to experience this, because God, like I say, God is serious about it, but he's only going to promote those who are walking in divine obedience through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's so important that we re- realize that I cannot obey God and live a strong Christian life without the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So I have to develop a dependency upon God. On a moment-by-moment basis, if I'm going to experience the benefits of the covenant. So that's why God tells Israel here, he said, Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to fear him, or to reverence him, or put him first. Has to be first in my life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Amen? Verse 7 says, For the Lord your God bringeth you into a good land. Somebody say a good land. God's best is your portion. Talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, crumbs. Crumbs are not our portion. We're, we're commanded by God to sit down at the table of God and eat. That, that table that has been prepared for us before the foundation of the world. The good land, a land of brooks and water, of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig leaves and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil or oil, olive and honey. All of this is, it talks about abundance. That's talking about your portion in Christ. That's talking about how God wants you to have his best and you need to believe for his best. A land, verse, verse uh, 9, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarcity. That's talking about an overflow and abundance. That's our portion in our generation. That's our portion uh, in, this, in this season. We need to believe for that. It's one thing Pastor Goodluck taught me. He always taught me that you need to believe for God's best all the time. Amen. A land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarcity, thou shalt not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. Let's talk about precious things. That's our portion. Verse 10. When thou hast eaten and are full, thou shalt bless the Lord your God for the good land which he had given you. You're about to enter into that. 
Pastor Angela was uh, preaching Sunday. It inspired me. Talking about praising God and dancing before the Lord. How many of y'all know when we do that, we're opening up the door for all this abundance. We're opening up the door for the blessings of God to come upon us and overtake us. You may not see it right now. Don't get discouraged. You're about to enter into God's very best in this season. Every me- I, I'm, I'm speaking. Every member of the Ark Fellowship is about to go to a new level of blessing, covenant blessing, and covenant power in the name of Jesus. Amen. Verse 11. Well, I'm going to read, read verse 10 again. When thou have eaten and art full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for, for the good land which he had given thee. Verse 11, very important. Beware, though, that you forget not the Lord your God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command you this day. Least, verse 12, least when you are eaten and are full and had built goodly houses and dwell therein. So he's letting us know that when you begin to walk in obedience, this is going to happen. It's just going to happen. You're going to start experiencing this type of abundance, this type of blessing, this type of uh, glory is going to rest upon you. It's going to happen. But when it happens, always remember where it came from. Always remember God is your source. I've seen so many Christians start getting blessed, start, uh, God begins to promote them, and they forget about him. How many of y'all have seen that? You've seen that over and over. I saw it in Calvary when I was pastoring up there in Calvary. Uh, God would begin to bless people. I mean, it would happen. Sherry, you know, you know what? She would see, we would see people. Man, these people are getting blessed because they're, they're embracing the word. And then they start slacking off. They stop coming to church. And it would really break my heart because I knew what was happening. And I'd pray for them. But it was one of those things where uh, they forgot the blessing, the, the one who blessed them. And that's the danger. It's a very uh, real danger when people start getting blessed. They forget about God. They forget about the source, their source, the source. So it's important that we always remember once God begins to load us down with these blessings that we don't forget about him. Stop coming to church. Start falling in love with our, with, with our fruit. Amen. That's what people do. They start falling in love with the fruit. The new car, the new house, or whatever, you know. But don't do that because when the blessings come, and they're surely going to come, keep God first. Amen. Verse 12 again. Least when y'all have eaten and are full and has built goodly houses and dwell therein. And when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold is multiplied. And all that thou hast has multiplied. This, this is covenant blessing that he's talking about. Verse 14. Then, thou, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord your God, which had brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. So we don't want to be those people. We want to remember God when those blessings come. And like I said, they're surely going to come. This is our season for blessing. Now verse 18 But thou shalt remember the Lord your God 
For it is he that giveth the power to get wealth. All through every verse that I've read here in terms of covenant blessing talks about how God is more than willing to bless you with divine abundance. This is our portion as covenant believers. And I'm not ashamed of it. I'm a, I'm a covenant preacher. And I'm not ashamed to preach the covenant because this is what God wants his people to experience. Israel could have experienced this in every generation, nonstop, had they simply obeyed God. You know, we read about how Israel would go into bondage and they would be defeated and this, that, and the other. The only reason that that happened was because they forgot about God. It was never, they were never meant to be occupied by the Roman government. They were never meant to be put into bondage by the Babylonians. None of that was God's will. We read about it and we see how God brought them back, back and forth, back and forth. But that was never God's will. There was to be a perpetual blessing upon that nation because of this covenant. God was serious about it. And he wanted, he wanted Israel to be so blessed and so anointed that they would make the other nations jealous. And that's what he wants for the church. That's why he wants you blessed. And he's not ashamed to put that blessing upon you because once he puts that blessing upon you, it's meant to bless others with. It's meant to be a sign that our God is God. Amen? And so Israel did not experience that consistently. and It was not because uh, God didn't want them to. It was because they were stiff-necked. Amen. But God was willing to perpetually bless every generation. But they would not. They would not. God wanted to, but they would not. Now, let's look at uh, an example of that in the book of Psalms, Psalm 78. So if anybody ever try to talk you out of the blessing of the covenant, you need to close your ears to them and tell them, God wants me walking like this. I'm a special person in Christ Jesus. Because he said so. He told Israel, you're a special people. Glory to God. Psalm 78, verse 36. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth, talking about Israel, And they lied unto him with their tongue. They said they were going to walk in the covenant and didn't. For their heart was not right with him. Neither were they steadfast in his covenant. So they they did not keep the covenant. God was willing to keep the covenant, but they broke it. So when they broke the covenant, the blessing stopped. Just like God promised it would. Same holds true with us. If as long as we keep our eyes upon him, as long as we keep our eyes on the word, as long as we keep our eyes on Jesus, the covenant blessings will continue to flow. Not without persecution, though. <laughs> you know, the devil's not going to just sit back and just let us be blessed. He's going to come against us. He's going to come against us with everything that he has to try to discourage us. But we have the power of the covenant to overcome him. We have the power of the name of Jesus to overcome him. And like I always refer, I like to refer back to Isaiah 54. No weapon form can prosper against you. But you got to know that. 
You don't be surprised when a weapon is formed, though. That's what happens a lot of times. Man, I thought I thought I wasn't supposed. No, no, no. The devil's gonna come. He's gonna push back, but you have to push back too. You have to aggressively uh, embrace the promises. And when you see him come, don't run away. Run toward him like David did. Run toward, like he ran toward Goliath, you run toward the devil. Say, no, this is my point. You're not going to steal this from me. You're not going to steal my health anymore. You're not going to steal my wealth anymore. You're not going to steal my seed and my children anymore. It's over. The days of losing are over. You have to declare that. God has already declared it. You have to declare it. You have to get in agreement with God and say, the, the times of crumbs and all that sort of, that's over. That's in the past. This is our generation. This is the time to walk in the covenant blessings. Amen? Amen. Let's look at verse 40. And again, Israel. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert because they wouldn't believe? They would not believe. God says, go in and possess the land. <laughs> they begin to look at the giants and to talk about the giants and talk about all the obstacles and the troubles. God says, that grieved him because I, God says, I got a covenant sitting right here that's promising you that all you got to do is walk in and take it. That's all you have to do. And they wouldn't go in. Only two had a good confession, Caleb and Joshua. Amen? I want to be like them. Amen? I want to be, I want to be a, a person who says what God says. Verse 41. And they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. So they put a limit on what God could do in their lives. There was no limits where the covenant was concerned, but they put, they put a limit upon God's power. They tied God's hands with their unbelief and with their unwillingness to believe in the covenant. To believe that God, like he was good to Abraham, that he could be as good to Abraham's seed as he was to Abraham. And the church does that too, because a lot of times we don't really believe that God loves us just as much as he loves Jesus. Jesus prayed that, 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 they would, that we would understand that, that we would know that he loves us just as much as he loves him. See, because we see ourselves in Adam. We still, we're still viewing ourselves in Adam. That's why God couldn't, couldn't deal with Esau because Esau, he, he, he still had the scent of Adam on him. He still thought like Adam thought. God says, he reminds me of Adam. <laughs> That's why I can't trust him. But Jacob, even though he was a con man, Jacob, Jacob knew the value of that covenant. And he was determined to walk in it. He was determined to be blessed by God because he knew that that was, that was his portion. And even though he went about it maybe in the wrong way, God saw his heart. And he used him simply because he trusted in the covenant. Same holds true with you and I. Now, let's go to Hebrews chapter 8. 
We'll talk about the new covenant a little bit because, like I say, all the promises of the old covenant, they pale in comparison to the promises of the new covenant. Because the promises of the old covenant were an inferior, that was an inferior covenant. Established on the blood of animal sacrifices. But the covenant that we are enjoy, that we enjoy through Christ is a covenant that is established on the precious blood of God himself. You need to see it that way. Hebrews 8. Now this is talking about the dispensation that we're under right now, the the covenant that we're living under right now. But now, had he, talking about Jesus, obtained a more excellent ministry. My God talking about the priesthood, talking about how he is the, our great high priest seated at the right hand of God, the one that we have access to on a moment-by-moment basis. He had obtained a more excellent ministry, a more excellent ministry than what? Than the ministry of the uh, uh, Aaron and his priesthood. By how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant. So the covenant that you were enjoying, the covenant that we have access to, promises us more blessings than that, that previous covenant. They did not have the power of the Holy Ghost like we do. They were not filled with the power of God himself on the inside. That's what separates our, this covenant from that covenant. We have been empowered by God himself. He dwells on the inside of us. Israel was God's servants. We are sons and daughters of God. Makes a big difference. And you have to see it that way. You have to understand that if, 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 Dave, if King David could walk in divine covenant blessing, how much more should you? How much more should you? Because this is a better covenant than the one that he killed Goliath with. He is the mediator of a better covenant which was established... Upon better promises. You see that? Somebody needs to underline that for real. Because you need to know that this covenant that we have access to is a better covenant than the covenant that opened the Red Sea. It's powerful. But if I don't release faith for it, I won't experience the power of it. I got to stop seeing myself as a grasshopper. I got to see myself as a child of the king. I got to see myself high and lifted up, seated together with him in heaven. I got to see myself that way. Every time the enemy knocks on my door, I got to let him know that I know who I am in Christ. And when I do, he'll turn the other way every single time. He'll turn away every single time. I can't tell you how I've been tested, man. And I know y'all been tested too. All of us have been tested. And here's the thing. When you know this, you almost embrace the test. When the devil shows up, you just you embrace Because you know that greater is he that's in you than he that's in you. You really know it. It's not just up here anymore. It's in here. 
It's a real deal. You know, you, you understand that, that when he wakes you up with those wicked thoughts in the middle of the night, you understand, I have the power of the Holy Ghost to cast every imagination down and embrace the covenant. Embrace my victory. Embrace what he says about me. Verse 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. So the first covenant did not have the power that the, that the second covenant had. Verse 8. For finding fault with them, how many of you know the fault always lies with them and never with God? <laughs> it's always us. It's never God. For finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days come, said the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Jacob. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt, because they, they continued not in my covenant. God says, I was willing to perpetually bless them. I was willing that they would walk in the power of the blessing that Abraham walked in, and, and even greater when Jesus Christ came, but they would not. They would not continue in that covenant because of their carnality and because of the weakness of their flesh. Verse, uh, read verse 9 again, the, the back part of it. Because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. Then he says here in verse 10, But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. After, after what days? After the days when Jesus Christ has went to the cross and has been raised from the dead. The same, that, that what he's talking about is the covenant that we have access to right now. I will put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be unto me a people. Now again, Israel was supposed to experience all the blessings of the new covenant, and, and a lot of them did, obviously, because the apostles and all the, those people were Jews. So they, were, they experienced it. 3,000 people got born again on that day. They experienced it, but to a, to a minimal degree, because a lot of them rejected Jesus and still have rejected Jesus. But what that did, their rejection of Christ, opened up the access for the Gentiles to experience the covenant blessings. And we have been grafted into this bless, into this covenant through Jesus with the same benefits and the same power that Israel was meant to walk in. What happens a lot of times is we have watered this down and we've made it a religious thing instead of a legal thing. This is a legal document established on the blood of God himself. And like I say, God's going to back it up if his people will be serious about it and believe it. Like, like we read in Deuteronomy, he took away all sickness from Old Testament Israel. All sickness. When they came out of Egypt, they were, they were wealthy and healthy. Every last one of them. Every last one of them. None of them were walking under the, under the curse. They had... They had taking the Passover, and they were powerful. And that was the old covenant. How much more us in the new covenant who have the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, amen? amen? And all of the blessings of that covenant through him. 
So this is our portion. So when, when the curse knocks on your door, you need to answer it with a covenant. You need to say, no, that's not for me. I refuse it. I refuse it. With, with, with power and authority, you got to say it. With a knowledge that Jesus Christ has set you free forever. Galatians 3.13, I love it. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs upon the tree, so that the blessing of Abraham, the blessing of that covenant, may come upon the Gentiles through faith. Every time I think about Abraham, when we begin this study, how God just supernaturally blessed him outside of the law. The law hadn't even been established yet. And God was just looking over his faults, man. He looked over. This guy, Abraham, was, he made a lot of mistakes. How many of y'all know he made a lot of mistakes? But God continued to bless him by grace and mercy. Just continued to bless him. Because he was innocent in a lot of things he did. He wasn't malicious. He just was innocent. He just made mistakes. He was in the flesh. But God overlooked it because God, God, he, God says, that's my covenant partner. That's my covenant partner. I'm going to use him to be a blessing for the, whole wor- for the whole world. So this new covenant is a covenant of power because we are born again. That's what he's talking about in verse 10. I'll put my laws in their minds and write them upon their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach uh, and they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. Verse 12, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Say, I'm not going to hold it against them. I'm going to establish them in my righteousness by the blood of my son. He says, I'm not going to remember their iniquities anymore because of the the power of this covenant, the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, again, if you're going to live a raggedy Christian life, you're you're not going to walk in the blessings. God's going to still love you, but you're not going to experience the blessings the way God wants you to. Okay? Uh, So it's important that we realize that even though grace is here, it's not to be used like that, like some people use it, as a license to sin or whatever. No, 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 no. When you understand, really understand the power of the covenant and that we are children of God, we look at sin differently than, than the world do or that uh, carnal Christians do. We look at sin as beneath us. That's beneath me. I'm a king and a priest under my God. I don't live like that. I don't have to live like a, like a dog. I don't have to live like, like the Gentiles live. I got a covenant with Almighty God. And I honor him because of it. Amen? That, that has to be our mindset. Childish and foolish things we put away. We're going to the next level. Hey, amen? Let's look at verse 13. In that he saith, a new covenant... He had made the first hole, now that which decayeth is waxed old and is ready to vanish. So the writer says it's old. God's done away with that old covenant. A new covenant has been established 
upon better promises by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to close here in nine, chapter 9, verse 11. But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, I like that, a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not this building, neither by the blood of goats and of calves, but by his own blood. <laughs> he entered in once into the holy place. Talking about heaven itself, amen? Having obtained eternal redemption for us. So Jesus, the Bible says, took his own blood. It was harvested, and he took his own blood into the Holy of Holies. And that blood, that eternal blood, is there right now. And God the Father respects that blood, the blood of the covenant. He, he respects that blood. And because of that blood that he shed on Calvary's cross, the inheritance that is his through the covenant, he has decided to share with you and I in the church. Keep going over that over and over. That inheritance that belongs to Jesus also belongs to you and I through covenant relationship. We're joining heirs with him. So every blessing that he experiences at the right hand of God, you and I have access to it because of this covenant that he, we have through him. So everything that Jesus experiences, you and I can experience it also. As he is, so are we in this world. Somebody say, man, I can't, I can't see that. You got to see it because the only way you're going to experience it, you got to see it. God, give us light. Holy Spirit, give us light. Help us to see. Help us to know. Help us to, to embrace the victory of your cross and the power of your resurrection. The greatness of our God, hallelujah. The mercy of our God, hallelujah. The beauty of our God, amen. David said, one thing will I ask of the Lord, and that will I seek after. All, all David wanted to do was dwell in the house of the Lord all the days. He wanted that, that closeness with God, that covenant closeness that you and I have access to. David wanted it. He really did. He didn't have access to it because the way of the Holy of Holies was not open to him yet. He couldn't go into the Holy of Holies like you and I can on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. You and I can approach God anytime we want because of the blood of Jesus. We have to take advantage of our advantage. We got to. We got to. Get our minds to thinking like new creatures. That's what has to happen. Stand to your feet. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new to you and I through this covenant. Lord, we embrace that which you have provided. Precious Holy Spirit, begin to illuminate to our minds and to our hearts the greatness of your victory. 
The greatness of the victory of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. And the power of the resurrected Jesus. And all the benefits of this covenant, Lord. David reminded us to bless God at all times and forget not the benefits. May the New Testament church, may the members of the Ark Fellowship begin to experience the depths of your love. Because the reason we're experiencing these covenant benefits, God, is because of your great love that you have for us. Take us out of religion into relationship. Take us into the reality of the blessing of Abraham, that you might be glorified, that Jesus, our King, might be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. The Lord bless you.